It's coming up to a quarter to four on the 2nd of December. And here in the United Kingdom, it's freezing cold. And it, we had snow, we had hail, pestilence and plague. And then it went mild early this week and then it's gone cold again. Let's go to a place that we know is always warm and sunshine shines 366 days of the year. It must mean it's time to go and open the doors to the man cave and see if Bruce K. Rosenblum's there in his shorts and T-shirt. Bruce, are you there? I'm here, but I clearly am not in my shorts and T-shirt. Andrew, <laughs> the weather is so bizarre. We need John Ketley to make heads and tails out of this. It starts out at about 40 degrees in the morning, which it is right about now. And then by 4 o'clock this afternoon, we'll be up in the 80s. So we have over 40 degree shifts in temperature. And it's so right now I'm in layered outfit. I've got my, my shorts, my sweats, my T-shirt, my sweatshirt. And if I had a seat heater in here, I'd be sitting on it. Oh, dear. Well, we sympathize. It's nice that we can share things like this. Now, here's the spoiler alert. When we did our little bit of – no, 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 it's not a bad spoiler alert. It's just stating the blooming obvious. When we do our preparation – and, in fact, you sent me a little message when you got up at some ridiculous time this morning, 3 a.m. for you. You said the big talking point is something called Road versus Wade, which we have heard about in this country. and We know that it's all about – abortion laws now people are going to say well hang on a minute have you got a woman to talk about it the answer is no because this is about american cousins you and me chatting so this is two late 60s white males opening up a discussion but you've done a huge amount of work for which we're really thankful because um, the abortion laws in this country are, are quite straightforward but of course in the states it can be changed state by state and there's a well, whole range of things going on. So I'm going to take a back seat and listen because you've done some fabulous um, research for us. So the floor is yours. Yeah, well, actually, uh, you're technically incorrect, I think. Uh, the, first of all, the abortion issue here is so um, ridiculous in terms of what it's all about, where it all came from and all the different points of view that are involved. Because it ranges from the, from the liberal left to the conservative right to evangelicals to everything in between. And, and people who get involved who really have no business being involved. Because really, who are they to determine what happens to your daughter or your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, you know? And there's those that believe that it's the woman's right to choose. And there's those that believe that taking any kind of a, 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 a fetus with a, with a heartbeat, um, is is criminal and there's those that say that well it may have a heartbeat until it takes its first breath it's not human so you you have a wide variety of issues and that's just scratching the surface because it gets even more as you start to to peel back the onion on this thing it gets it gets even you know more more crazy and, and with with and more variables become a part of it but um and to try to to put it you know, in, in layman's terms and make it easy for people to understand the, the, what happened in this country is that the states were in control of what was happening with abortions. And many, uh, many in the many states in the Bible Belt, uh, you know, had had rules in place that it was illegal to have an abortion. And, and it forced women who did get an abortion to to go to go through channels that were unseemly and unhealthy and dangerous. And even, you know, uh, in many cases, a lot of women died having the procedure done to, to have an abortion. It was called the old, it was called a, a coat, the coat hanger, backroom coat hangers. Um, and it's, and it's a, a horrible visual, but that's, you know, kind of what it was all about. It was unsterile. It was, 
Uh, it was back room. It was in the dark of night in many cases. So the, the, there was a case in, in the 1970s that, that came out of uh, a woman that was living in Texas wanted to have an abortion, but the, but the laws there were so, so prohibitive that they, they filed a, a, a suit against the, the, the district attorney whose name was Wade. And Roe was the name, was a, just a, 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 an alias for a, a woman that later revealed herself. I don't know her, her actual name. I should have, I should have had that. Um, but they filed a, um, a, a case and they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court and it became known as Roe versus Wade. And there was a, a decision came down in 1973 to set up parameters uh, for abortion on a trimester basis, which would be a national, a federal law so that, so that it was equal throughout the country and that each state that, that the states couldn't interfere because there was so many different abortion laws on the record, on, you know, that, that came out of various state legislatures that to try to even the playing field, they came up, they came up with, you know, this, um, this Roe v. Wade parameter. Um, for abortions to be done or to be looked at on a trimester basis. So basically, the first trimester, governments could not prohibit, prohibit abortions at all. So if, if, a, a, if a full-term pregnancy is 39 weeks, we're talking 13 weeks, then 26 weeks, and then the full 39 weeks, right? Yep. So the first trimester, government, the government could not prohibit an abortion. If a woman wanted to get one, she could have one with no with no um, ramifications. During the second trimester, weeks fourteen through twenty six, the government could require reasonable health regulations. So at that point, the fetus is becoming more developed, and you have to take a look at what the impact on that would be. And and as and as science began to understand the birth process and could and could understand the health of a baby while inside the womb, that became pretty important. And then four, during the third trimester, meaning weeks 27 through, through, through full term, abortions could be prohibited entirely. So long as the laws contained, so long as the laws contained exceptions for cases when they were absolutely necessary to save the life or health of the mother. So unless something catastrophic was going to happen in that third term, most likely there would, an abortion would not be allowed. So it was a trimester type of a thing. Um, <clears throat> the Supreme Court revisited and modified Roe's legal rulings in 1992 in a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And in Casey, the court reaffirmed Roe's holding that a woman's right to choose to have an abortion is constitutionally protected. But they abandoned Roe's trimester framework in favor of a standard based on what they called fetal viability and overruled Roe's requirement that government regulations on abortion be reviewed under the strict scrutiny standard. Now, I'm not going to get into the strict scrutiny standard because that's getting into a lot of legal stuff. But just know that basically what you need to know here is that it, it, it changed from uh, a trimester to a fetal viability. Okay, and what, and what fetal viability is, is the ability of a fetus to survive outside of the uterus. Fetal viability is generally considered to begin at 24 weeks, uh, gestation, uh, gestational age. 
since at this point in the pregnancy, most infants can survive a preterm birth. So, so basically what you're talking about now is changing the three trimesters and putting kind of a, 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 kind of a, a line in the sand, I guess, at 24 weeks would be the benchmark to when, you know, an abortion, you could have an abortion or not have an abortion based on the findings of, I guess, the doctor or the OBGYN in the case. And it would be interesting to have Nigel on to kind of comment on that because that's the area he worked in. And we know he's a good friend of ours and could probably shed a lot of light on this subject. I'm sure. But so that's where it stood. So fetal viability with 24 weeks being that tipping point. And I can tell you from experience that my granddaughter, Sydney, who we know was a micro preemie, was born at 25 weeks. And at 25 weeks, there was a lot of decisions to be made for her. Now, the idea of an abortion was discussed. But again, you know, the Roe v. Wade stipulates 24 weeks. Sydney was 25 weeks. So what happened there was the doctors and my son and daughter-in-law decided that what was best was that they would let it play out. That in order to save Samantha's life, which was in jeopardy because her blood pressure was going just that crazy and it was putting her life in jeopardy. And at the same time, the baby's life was in jeopardy. They decided to take the baby through a cesarean section. And they said, we will let the baby, we're going to take the baby. We're going to treat it as though it's a full-term baby. We're going to let it, you know, do whatever we do when a baby is born. And we're going to monitor the baby. And if the baby shows signs of not, of being unable to survive, we'll let nature take its course. However, if she shows signs of strength and life, we'll do everything that we possibly can to save her and give her a quality of life. And so Sydney was born. Sydney, Sam had a C-section. Sydney came out. And it was very touch and go at the beginning. But she had strong lungs. She cried. She took to feeding. She showed a strong will to live. And at that point, everybody changed modes and got into survival mode to give her all they could to ensure that she survived and had a good quality of life. But there were certain factors that had to be looked at. They had to look to see, you know, make sure that she wasn't having seizures. They had to monitor her brain. They had to monitor her intestines for neocolitis, which is kind of a sepsis in infants that is deadly. If they get neocolitis and it goes into their system, it poisons the baby and it kills it almost immediately. So there was things to look at. But Sydney survived those. Ultimately, what happened, though, is when you have a micropremia like that at born such an age, you know, it doesn't the symptoms don't necessarily show up right at the beginning. You have to monitor them. And over time, Sydney did have what they call brain bleeds and seizures. And some of it was missed by the doctors, unfortunately. Some of it was caught. And then she ultimately ended up getting neocolitis. And she had to have a somewhat like a mash 
procedure, like something you'd see on the MASH TV show where they had to, <clears throat> they couldn't move her. They had to bring a surgical team up into the, the nursery, clear out the nursery and perform emergency surgery where they took 30% of her bowel and 30% of her small intestine because they determined that the, the neocolitis was only in a, in a certain port of port, portion of her stomach and not spread throughout, which was a good thing because it, the surgery worked and it saved her life. But now, you know, we know six years later that we have a, we have a, a granddaughter who's growing and is, is getting bigger and she's, and she's beautiful, but she can't walk. She can't communicate. Although she is starting to learn how to communicate through a certain kind of a language. It's almost like a hieroglyphics language, which is now being translated, transitioned from, from a book to a computer. Hmm. But the, the ramifications of that, just so you know, Sydney's, Sydney was in the, the neonatal intensive care unit for six months. The bill for that was over $5 million. Thank goodness there was insurance that and, and, and different ways to pay for that. But, you know, what if, what if you didn't have that insurance? What if you didn't have the resources? And then she requires 24 seven care with feeding and with, um, rehabilitation and physical therapy that goes on every day, special schools, special, special equipment to sit in and chairs. <clears throat> and so, you know, you take this back to the argument as to whether to abort or not under this Roe versus Wade argument. And, and yes, people, you know, who believe in, in, in pro-life want to see that, that child live, but, Really, what is their quality of life? And that's that's the real argument. The quality of life, if you don't have the resources for the family, is devastating. And for the and for the and for the child, it can be catastrophic. Let me just let you draw breath and paint a picture for the uh, our, our lovely listeners. And I sincerely hope Nigel is listening. I know he uh, listened to the podcast um, because I am now looking at uh, an Instagram picture that you and Jackie put up. And it's a picture um, of the wonderful pajama Thanksgiving party that you have. And we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. And you're sitting on the sofa in your lovely home and you've got uh, Duke the dog and you've got all of your grandchildren. And sitting on your lap is Sydney. And the look on her face, you, you talk about her not being able to communicate. No, she can't read. She can't write. She can't speak. But with her face shining out of that picture is immeasurable it, it is it is life in its fullness she's enjoying everything she mm -hmm. is part of your family you have embraced her despite all those horrific things she's been through and the pain and agony and emotional distress that i know you and the family have had to handle in all sorts of ways um, she is a viable living human being and she will go on let's hope for many years yet giving giving so much back to the people right. With who, who are trying to keep her healthy and fit. So, you know, the context which you've given us is absolutely phenomenal because I am looking at the fact that at 25 weeks, she, she was viable. She fought as a newly born child. And Samantha, thankfully, is fit and well. And, you know, the bills have been paid and she is still with us. And everybody has been able to have the joy of having her in their lives. Right. In a way that if it had been at 23 weeks, the decision might have been different. Right. Uh, yeah. If, if the, 
the decision, we're, we're happy with Sydney and it's a family effort. And, you know, the picture, you know, you can look at the picture and pictures, as they say, are worth a thousand words. And, and you draw your, what you drew, the picture that you, that you painted in your mind from that, from that photo, you know, is great. And, and that's how, you know, it should be portrayed. But behind the scenes, the, the emotional struggle and, and the daily struggle with, with, with Sydney, you know, and thank goodness they have resources to help them. But even with those resources, the amount of pressure that those, that my son and daughter-in-law face each day yeah. is tremendous. And, and Sydney's not even a worst case cerebral palsy, um, uh, uh, person. <laughs> she, on a scale of zero to 10 with zero, I mean, 10 being the best possible case where she can talk and walk and, and hold a job and, you know, be independent and zero being the worst possible case where she can't feed herself or she can't react or doesn't understand. Sydney's kind of a, between a five and a six because she actually reacts and she smiles and she understands. She just can't articulate and she can't, she can't get up out of that chair and move around. I mean, maybe one day she will, but, and so that constant having to, to be there. And, and if you don't, and if you're not giving her the attention and she, she gets frustrated and screams and cries, it's, uh, it's tough. But anyway, but let's get back to, to the, to the case at hand here. So, 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 so Roe v. Wade is now under attack because Mississippi took a, a case to the Supreme Court because they want to kind of change the rules in Mississippi and where they want to ban abortion 15 weeks into the pregnancy long before the viability line set by the precedent of, of Roe v. Wade, which is 24 weeks. And, and so Mississippi State Legislature passed that, and they were going to enact it, and then it was appealed, and then it was struck down, and then ultimately it ended up, ended, ended up in the Supreme Court. And the implications here are huge because if the Supreme Court goes along with what's happening in Mississippi, there are a lot of states that are ready to, to trigger laws that kind of fall on the line here and, and start to change the parameters of the game. And there's a couple of things that, that could happen here. <clears throat> there are a couple of justices already who have said, you know, why is it the Supreme Court has to decide on what the states are doing? You know, maybe we should give the authority of abortion back to the states. And if the Supreme Court rules uh, with, with five votes, that, that could certainly happen. And, and, and Roe v. Wade gets gutted and, and the authority to, to create, um, their own legislation as regards to abortion goes back to the states. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts, um, came out and kind of floated a middle ground position that would uphold the Mississippi law, but stop short of ending the right to abortion rights nationwide entirely, right? He would, it would still, women would still be protected nationally by this, by the Roe v. Wade, but the 24 week line would be then moved back to 15 weeks. And so he seemed to be suggesting that the court could move up the viability line to 15 weeks and, you know, in line to the Mississippi 15 weeks and leave for another day. It's kind of like, well, we'll, 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 we'll grant you the 15 weeks but we're still going to cover abortion under this federal guideline. 
So basically what he's saying is that, you know, we'll do the 15 weeks, but we're going to punt, punt the ball down the road a little bit and let some other, let some other court later on, you know, have to deal with this because it's a dicey issue, right? Mm. So, so it's, um, so, you know, as for the supporters of abortion rights, they have long said there would be no way to uphold the law without gutting Roe, even if the justices don't say that out loud. So it's, um, you know, <clears throat> so you have, you have a couple of things. So either, there's three things at play here. Either what Kavanaugh says is a is kind of a, 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 a kind of a, a look in, inside the court, and you kind of feel that you know Roe v. Wade's going to get struck down, and the authority for abortion and abortion rights will go back to the states, where where many states right now are, you know, want to move that timeline way back, or or, or make it illegal to have an abortion altogether with no provisions for incest or rape. Then you've got the middle ground, which says, okay, we'll keep Roe v. Wade intact, but we're going to move the fetal viability line from 24 weeks to 15 weeks, which I think, you know, personally, you know, if you don't know that you're pregnant by 15 weeks in and you haven't made up your mind as to what you want to do by then, then, you know, (laughs) that's another conversation between you and your family or, or, and you and whoever, but I think 15 weeks could be could be livable. Um, based on the discussions that we had at Starbucks yesterday, it seemed like okay, 15, you know, 15 weeks not, might not be that terrible. <clears throat> and then the third thing is, so you, so you have turning this turning turning the um, the issue back to the states for them to decide, which could be really bad because so many want to change the law. Or you could go the middle ground with Chief Justice Roberts and just say, okay, we'll move the needle from 24 back to 15. But then there's this third component where it becomes very political. And you've got all these right-wing Republicans saying, see, Trump was really great. He gave us, he gave us, um, the, uh, he, he gave us the overturning of Roe versus Wade, like he said, by packing the court with all these, you know, conservative, um, justices, you know, Trump, Trump delivered on, on, on the one big promise, which was overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, they'll go into the 2022 election touting that, right, with their base. But what's interesting is that a nationwide survey of Americans, 60%, 6 in 10 Americans feel that Roe v. Wade is fine just the way it is. They don't want it changed. There really is no, there really is no, you know, overwhelming need to change that law. Now, if it changed from 24 to 15, I don't think most people will care. But to overturn it completely, that might just be, you know, that might that you know, while the while the while the Trump base might think that's really something to hang their hat on, it might be it might end up backfiring because again, six and ten Americans don't think it needs to be overturned. So, so that's where we're at. That's where the discussions are at right now. So, I guess the Supreme Court met yesterday. They kind of hinted it. You know, ju- ju- between um, Kavanaugh saying that he didn't feel that the, that the Supreme Court really needed to 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 determine, you know, make the decision on behalf of the states, and then Roberts coming out and saying maybe the middle ground will be to just keep keep it in- intact but move the the line from 24 to 15. <clears throat> we won't know that now for a while. We may not know that till the summertime, sometime in June or July, when when their opinion gets rendered, and then we'll see what happens. So that's that's where it's at. So there's a lot of discussion on that, and you know, and then there's, of course, pro- protests in Washington D.C. bring out thousands and thousands of people <laughs> on both sides, 
and it seemed like it was pretty civil yesterday, but but we know that it tends to get very ugly on these kinds of issues that uh, people have very strong feelings on both sides. And it's pretty evenly split, you know, uh, and, but what just gets me is that there's just so many people that have so much time on their hands to come out and make this an issue when it's been in place for over 50 years. And women, for the most part, have gotten used to that, to having that protection and they feel pretty comfortable with it. And as the data shows, 60-40 is, you know, pretty strong. In favor of leaving it alone. So, you know, fascinating. That's what we've been, you know, hopefully I explained it clearly. You did. You did. And we did have some other subjects. I'm looking at the time and I'm sitting here thinking this is a significant one epic uh, subject program. And I don't want to dilute it with looking at the other things. We could have looked at Michigan shooting, Wisconsin parade man, uh, Omicron and government funding. But I, I want to leave it where it is. Because you said as well, there's a quick line in there that you had chatted to the chaps at Starbucks. Now, just to explain, this is a group of your friends who I've had the privilege to meet, who meet on a regular basis and literally shoot the breeze over a cup of coffee. And they are as widely disparate in their beliefs and backgrounds and ideas and thoughts as it's possible. So the fact that a group of blokes have sat down to talk about this, I think is super significant. And the fact that you felt inspired enough to do it in two ways. One, a good, clear, clinical research-based project. And then you've been open and frank and very personal about wonderful Sydney. And because and the other thing that my wife and I can remember is when you took us to see some of the other wonderful, stimulating things that happens to Sydney, she went to um, a, a riding stables where they specialise in helping and children particularly, because riding horses and interacting with a horse can actually be incredibly enriching. And we watched and there were tears in my eyes <clears throat> and I'm filling up as I think about it because yeah. it was just. I know, I was there. I was there when you when you saw her. It was pretty it, it incredible. Was, it was breathtaking and it still is. So, you know, let, let's leave it at, at one subject today, because, yes, we are white males and we're in our 60s. We both have families. You have grandchildren. But you've got an, a, another level with your beautiful granddaughter, Sydney. So thank you um, from everybody's listening. And I know there will be people who will be saying, ah, yes, but. But the fact that Roe versus Wade has been in, in place for nearly 50 years and that there are still with some of these justices, the well, we could change it a bit, but perhaps let's leave it. Um, it goes back to the woman I, I've, I've discovered. Her name is Norma McCorvey who right, was Jane was Roe, uh, and right. um, it was really in 73. So, as I say, thank you. Th this has perhaps been a difficult listen for some people. It's perhaps a listen which, if you're not involved in families in any way, shape or form, you might think, ah, oh, well, why? But you never know at what point you may find your life changed by coming into contact with a decision like this. So, yeah, you can you can yeah. you can feel however you want on this issue. I mean, that's, it's, that's the beauty of our, our world is that everybody has an opinion and everybody can have a thought. But at the end of the day, unless you're in the shoes of that person, both from an emotional and financial point of view. Yeah. You know, it's um, you know, it's 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 almost for me, it's like, who am I to say? Who am I to tell you that you can or can't? I don't know. You know, of course, you know, you don't want to see a life taken regardless of, you know, if it's fetus or. You know, it'd be within 13 weeks or 
full term or whatever. You don't, you know, you, you want, you want, you want the best for that, for that baby to be healthy and happy and have a wonderful, you know, have a meaningful life. But if you don't know the, the family situation or you don't know their financial situation, um, it, it can be, it can be extremely devastating, both emotionally and financially, if you don't have the support and the, and the financial resources. So, and I think a lot of that gets missed in this whole, in this whole argument. It's just people clamoring whether a heartbeat is a living person or a, or a, or a, a full-fledged cry after it comes out of the womb is a living, you know, you know, that can be our, you can argue that from now till the cows come home. But the, the two things that generally get missed in this whole thing are the emotional and financial impact to families and bank accounts and, and livelihoods and, and lives in general. And, and that, and that's, and that's only a decision that that person that, that's carrying that child can, can make because that, that's, they're living it. I'm not, I'm just somebody observing, you know, and I have a feeling about it. And I, you know, I want the best, but I don't know all the facts because each one of these, like I say, each one of these cases is different. So, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, but I, but I, hopefully we did a service and hopefully we helped educate people and understand and, you know, look at, you know, look at how they see things and look at how they see people involved. And, you know, then you make, you make your own decision. An informed decision. Bruce, yeah. thank you so much indeed for all the hard work you've done. And I know this would have weighed heavily on you and your family's mind because putting it out here on Siren and into the Internet with the podcast, um, you are exposing yourself. But uh, you have done a stunning job. Bruce K. Rosenberg, thanks so much indeed for being part of American Cousins this week on Siren. Uh, my pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. And everybody, again, stay safe and healthy up there. We, we want to come back and visit you all soon. And, you know, just wish you all the best. And, and as we get close to the, to the Christmas holiday, uh, again, I hope everybody has a, a happy, healthy holiday and a, and a great, great new year. But we'll get we'll, we'll talk more about that over the coming weeks. We certainly will. Bruce K. Rosenberg for the moment. Thanks very much indeed.